reaching across the country for the biggest sports news this weekend. From Atlanta to Seattle, from Boston to LA, this is Big Sports Radio. Here we are, hosts basketball version of the Big Sports Radio. Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, Mike Cagley, Joshua Ewing is working the audio for us here. Hey, listen, uh, hope springs eternal that we're going to have as much fun in the next few months as we did uh, during these past few weeks here in uh, basketball. We're going to talk about the, the men's game here coming up, but we want to, at the top of the show here, uh, give hats off to the Iowa Hawkeyes women's team. Um, what a run they had to, to come up. Um, you know, they come up big in the Big Ten tournament, get that title, and then they earn their first ever national championship game appearance before coming up short to LSU, but take nothing away from the Hawkeyes. And um, what a performance and, and what a season. Yeah, it was amazing. You know, the Caitlin Clark and, and her teammates were just fantastic. Must see television. And I'll tell you, they probably won the title for LSU by beating South Carolina because yeah. South Carolina had drilled LSU during the season. They were a much better matchup probably for LSU in that game. So, you know, it, it just goes to show you matchups matter. And uh, they took advantage of every matchup they had. And they had the, you know, they had the best player on the floor all the time too. That doesn't, doesn't hurt. Yeah. And I also thought the interesting thing with the success in the ratings really proves that, you know, if you can get women's sports uh, out there and marketed well, it can compete, you know, they can compete with the men's sports. And, and I thought that was a, a flexing of muscles that many didn't see coming. And, and it was really entertaining that that was must-see TV, like Brad said, and a lot of fun. Well, here's the great thing about this is that when you get a player who can dominate a game the way Caitlin Clark does, which hitting just ridiculous shots like Steph Curry, right? Um, in the men's game, if they have a season like this, they're gone. But the yeah. rules for the WNBA is that you must be 22 years old. She just turned 21. So she has a year left, and probably because she's going to get so much NIL money, may have two years left. So I think you can guarantee you're going to see Iowa. Um, they're going to be must-see TV. I mean, they are going to, you know, have a lot of time on ESPN, maybe ABC or who knows. But there's going to be, you know, the TV network's going to find a way to get her on their screens because it's eyeballs and those are ad dollars. Caitlin Clark, the first ever 40-point triple-double in NCAA tournament history. She did that in the Elite Eight game against uh, Louisville. And in the end, the six-game uh, tournament, she winds up breaking Cheryl Swoop's record for most points scored in a tournament. I mean, this was historic for Caitlin Clark, the junior, no question. She and Coach Lisa Bluter uh, asked about this game uh, afterwards as they uh, got the loss uh, against uh, LSU. Let's listen to a, a piece of that. Yeah, obviously foul trouble, not really what you want in the national championship game, especially for our two seniors who have given so much to this program and they have to sit the rest of their, finish their career on the bench. It's not something that they deserved by any means. And, um, you know, I thought they called it very, very tight. Um, I don't know about the two push-offs in the second quarter. I'm sure, you know, they saw that I pushed off and they called it uh, whatnot and then hit with the technical foul in the third for throwing the ball under the basket. And, you know, sometimes that's how things go. And, um, you know, I thought all I could do is respond and come back out there and, and keep fighting and keep trying to help this team crawl back into the game. And, um, you know, I'm just proud of this group because we never gave up. We never, you know, we could have gone into halftime and been like, what do we do? But our halftime locker room was like, we're fine. We got this. We believe in one another. We have the offensive firepower to come out here and cause some damage. And, you know, I thought you showed our fight. It showed our fight, um, this team. And that's what the story has been all year long. It's just a bunch of fight and mental toughness. And, um, 
Yeah, you got to give a lot of credit to LSU. They played an outstanding, outstanding game. And, um, you know, they made some tough some tough threes, some tough jumpers off of, you know, ball screens, um, you know, and sometimes you have to live with them with some of that. So I want my legacy to be the impact that I can have on young kids and the people in the state of Iowa. And I hope I brought them a lot of joy this season. I hope this team brought them a lot of joy. I understand we came up one win short, but I think we have a lot to be proud of and a lot to celebrate. Um, and I was just that young girl. So all you have to do is dream and you can be in moments like this. I'll ask you about the fouls. The game has progressed in terms of the players, the coaching, everything else. And today we saw the, the officiating has not kept pace yet. Yeah. I mean, you know, I can't comment on the officials. Um, it's very frustrating because I didn't even feel like I could talk to them. Like they wouldn't even listen. You know, that's what's frustrating is that there wasn't even a conversation that could be had. But, you know, when your two seniors have to sit on the bench and, you know, I know they're not, they don't, they don't know they're seniors. I get it. But I don't know. Those two women didn't deserve that. I just don't think so. And then Caitlin getting a T. I, I don't know. I just, it's too bad because, um, yeah, it's just too bad. Yeah. The, you know, you get questions after the game on the officiating. I think that's always interesting because. This was not a well-officiated game. And I, I'm not saying it was one-sided or anything. It was just poorly officiated. Took away the flow. You had the best players sitting out for, for both teams um, for much of the game. It just really wasn't – that That was the – for all the games that you saw in the tournament, uh, this was the probably the worst officiated game I saw, men's or women's, throughout the entire tournament, which is you know, you're saying something. And they have to address it in the post-game, which is kind of disappointing. Yeah, and this goes to you got to have full-time referees. You have enough revenue coming in that you want to protect your sports. Um, and I thought I thought the the players and coaches handled those questions really well. And there's nothing they can do to control it. So you just have to live with it. And I will tell you again, I do not tune in a TV to watch referees blow whistles. I want to watch great players play. And what was too bad was the whistles, I think, were the bad timing on them. Um, there was a lot of chippiness that wasn't called. I mean, both players, both teams had players throw elbows at the throat of opponents underneath, and neither was called a flagrance. Uh, but that was shocking. Um, you know, odd phantom technical fouls. I mean, it just was, it was strange. And that's the sad thing is it took away from what was a tremendous day for women's sports, women's college basketball, and uh, again, here's hope that the NCAA looks uh, at that as they move forward. We move forward with, uh, we've got a jam-packed show. Robin Washett of HuskerOnline.com uh, tells us all about Nebraska football right now. Spring practice is underway under their new head coach, Matt Rule. We'll talk about the uh, the rule of law. But I'm bummed. Uh, out in Lincoln. We're going to talk about that coming up. Also, uh, Big Ten portal news. Some of the guys uh, from Big Ten teams entering the transfer portal and the craziness that is. More from Caitlin Clark, and then we'll talk also. Uh, we will hear from uh, uh, some football coaches uh, out there as well and how their uh, teams are doing, uh, Maryland and uh, Indiana and Purdue. And the godfather of recruiting a bit later on in the show, uh, Mike Farrell joins us to talk about recruiting as well in the Big Ten. It's a packed show. Hope you stay with us. Big Sports Radio. Much more after this. 
Have you ever met a single person in your life that enjoys paying taxes? No, no one does. If you can't sleep at night because you have a huge problem with the IRS, I've got some free advice for you. This service is strictly limited to individuals that owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes. And if you qualify, we can guarantee that you won't be writing a big fat check to the IRS or our services cost you nothing. The first 100 people that call today will get a free tax consultation worth $500. Stop worrying about your IRS problem. We can help you, we promise. Call the tax doctor right now. I mean right now to learn more. 800-917-8546. 800-917-8546. That's 800-917-8546. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it, if your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you, too. What sets Neon Rain apart? They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092 or visit them at neonrain.com. Getting out of the military, I was missing this camaraderie. It's frustrating when you try and talk to people that don't understand. I still had the anger, I still had the addictions, but we didn't talk about that. Came to a point where it's like, okay, I really need to talk to somebody about this. Family more or less encouraged me, you know, go, go to the VA. It's okay to go get help. It's okay to talk to people, because it takes true strength to ask for help. Hear veterans' real stories of strength and recovery at maketheconnection.net. Back here on Big Sports Radio, uh, Larry, Mike, and Brad, joined now by, as we promised a moment ago, Robin Washit. He is the senior writer for HuskerOnline.com. Lots going on out there. Uh, we want to get football, Robin, but first off, good to have you back on the show. Uh, let's let's start, though, with basketball. And, boy, this team, if they could play throughout the year, the way they play, like the final three weeks of the season, um, it would be outstanding. I mean, boy, what a what a finish you guys had to the to the basketball season. Yeah, it kind of all came together there uh, in February when things were looking pretty bleak. I think they'd lost like seven of eight or something like that. And you know, there were real questions about whether or not uh, uh, they're already looking ahead to who the next head coach was going to be. And then all of a sudden, they catch fire. And a lot of that had to do with Casey Tomonaga um, really turning it on and becoming a go-to scorer. Um, you know, and then other kind of key players like CJ Wiltshire started playing some of his best basketball. And so it kind of all the picture all kind of came together uh, and it set up that way with the schedule to where they had a really home heavy back end of the schedule. So they were able to capitalize on that. They stole a couple on the road to where, um, you know, they went into Chicago in the big 10 tournament with legitimate postseason aspirations. You know, there was a talk that maybe beat Minnesota, maybe that's good enough to get you to the NIT, but they may have had to win one more after that, but either way, for them to even be in that position, considering where things were, uh, you know, just a month or two earlier, uh, was really impressive. And you know, I think it kind of shows what the the picture of this new version of Nebraska basketball Fred Weber has been trying to build. That that I think is a pretty good 
uh, representation of, of what they ideally wanted to be. So with the basketball team, one final question. Nebraska is known to have a fantastic NIL booster program on the football side. Um, how are they equipped to deal with this new transfer portal world in the basketball arena? That's not good uh, right now. I mean, especially when it comes to recruiting against the basketball powers, um, they're, they're just unable to offer what's being offered right now. I mean, you're hearing 650000 in a car to get a player. Or like, you know, Nebraska just can't do that right now. They can for football, but the money right now is not allocated nearly to that level with basketball and a lot of that, you know, why would you support a team that hasn't been in the tournament since 2014 and, you know, has, has had their run or, or run of issues over the last few years. And so I think it's kind of goes hand in hand. You need the money and the support to be able to recruit players to win, but you need to win to get the money and support in order to get those players. So um, I will say that the way the season ended got a lot more enthusiasm behind the program, but right now that, they're still lagging behind significantly with, you know, the Illinois and you know the the, the basketball powers of the conference. So that's that's going to be something they're going to have to try to overcome to keep this thing going in the right direction to where the winning starts to generate more of that NIL support. That kind of gets us into our next question. That is football, where there is uh, plenty of money, and and you know we know that the natives were restless last season with the start. Under Scott Frost, we talked about that, of course, on the show. Um, Matt Rule comes in now with a lot of splash. Look, his resume speaks for itself. Um, what have the first few weeks of spring been like with the with the coach rule? Been good. I mean, you know, they're undefeated, so that's good. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's nothing but positive vibes going around. Um, we've been able to. Uh, they've opened up, I think, three like brief early windows of practice for us to go just get get check them out, see them in person, and it's real limited stuff like stretching, warm ups, individual work, and position drills. But at least you get to see him. And um, things that immediately stand out is just the overall organization. Um, they do not waste a single second of practice. And so um, there's a, a sense of urgency that I don't, I don't say it wasn't there before, but it, it didn't seem like it was at this level, especially for being spring of year one, not wasting any time. And then just the number of people there. Um, from the staff standpoint, they've added a substantial amount of just secondary staff members, whether it be analysts or you know, recruiting people or whatever. And so you know, it feels like there's like 150 people standing around the sidelines of every practice. And that's not even taking into account the visitors. You know, they, they have a, what they call a, an open campus policy where any high school coach, player, uh, state college coach or player that, that wants to come check out campus uh, or check out a practice, they have an open door to, to do so. So um, you know, that's kind of created just a different vibe. To where it almost seems like an event, even though it's just a mundane Tuesday practice at eight o'clock in the morning in April, uh, there's almost 200 people there just watching. So um, that is, those are probably the two early differences right now. It, it's such an introductory point for them right now. They're still trying guys in multiple positions. You know, they don't know who their quarterback's going to be. Um, there's a lot of position battles going on. Guys are starting to just get familiar with the players and, Coaches, uh, you know, likewise, trying to figure out the system and the way things are supposed to operate. So it's still really early to make any like sweeping conclusions, but there are some noticeable differences early on with just the way that they operate and how many people are involved with Matt Rule. You know, w with this new Matt Rule look, 
anything that you uh, think are going to be signature offenses or defensive things that people want to be looking for where they'll notice the change immediately uh, for those folks who are listening who have to play uh, their team has to play Nebraska this year well defense I have no idea uh, because they don't have any like specification of what their defense is even going to be technically Tony White the new defensive coordinator ran a three-three-five, but like they are not committed to that at all they'll run a four-man front they'll run three, four linebackers, you know, they'll, they'll do whatever. And with how interchangeable their positions are, like you'll have safeties play linebacker, you'll have ends play linebacker, you'll have linebackers play on the line. Like, so, I mean, there's, there's really no set vision of this guy plays this position. And so that is just completely up in the air right now. Offensively, you know, we'll see when it actually comes to game time and the pressure's on. What I expect is to see a little bit more commitment to an identity. Uh, go back to, certainly under the Scott Frost era, I don't think Nebraska ever figured out what it wanted to be on offense to where, you know, they wanted to be central Florida and just throw the ball over the place. That didn't work. Then they tried to you know, run the ball and be like the power offense. And, you know, that they never had any sustained success with that. Then Mark Whipple comes last year as this kind of plug in coordinator and try to save Frost's job. And they literally changed their offense from week to week. You had no idea what they were going to get. And some of that had to do with Casey Thompson getting hurt. But even when he was there, they never stuck with a plan. And I think that impacted everybody, especially the offensive line, because the offensive line was widely considered the weakest point of the team. Well, they never knew what they were going to do from week to week and what the game plan was going to be. And if they were going to throw it 60 times or run it 60 times. So I think with Rule, there's going to be a much more uh, established plan of what they want to be on offense. I think that picture is still coming together of what exactly that ends up being. But once they figure it out, I don't think you're going to see these just uh, widely varying, uh, you know, mixtures of, of, of what Nebraska's offense is. Talking with Robin Washett here of Husker Online about the Nebraska football team. And it's, again, they're uh, in their first few weeks of spring training, spring practice, if you will, uh, <laughs> baseball, uh, <laughs> anyway, coach Matt rule. Uh, you're kind of reading my mind here. I want to go back to, to Scott Frost. And I wonder, is there any trepidation among, um, you know, Huskers nation, uh, out there, um, in, in terms of, you know, Scott Frost came in with, you know, this great track record from central Florida. And, you know, of course he's, he's a Husker, right? He played quarterback for Nebraska and, and, so, and that did not go well by any stretch of the imagination. Is there, is there concern now in terms of the fans not wanting to get too excited too soon um, that it may take, you know, obviously spring, it's a new start, et cetera, but it may take several games or even a season or two before everyone kind of totally buys in. Is that the feeling right now? Yeah, I would describe it as very cautious optimism right now to where, you know, again, Rule and his staff have done a really good job of saying all the right things doing all the right things and you know, they really embraced um, all the things that Nebraska fans love about their program and the history of it and traditions, all that sort of stuff. So like that part of it is going really well. They're getting a lot of people to maybe buy in that may have been on the fence when that hire was initially made. So you know, they, they've made a lot of hoping that this is finally the right guy. And again, for the first, what, four months that he's been on the job, he's you know, been pretty good, you know, done all the right things. But they know that uh, it doesn't matter. You know, the winning the offseason, Nebraska's, I think, been um, 20 years straight winning uh, the national offseason championship uh, with just the <laughs> hype that goes around them. And it, it hasn't produced anything when it comes to fall. So I, I, that's where people are right now. Like, 
they are excited about what has been done so far, but they know that again, it, all that matters is what happens on fall Saturdays. And you know, I think that when you look at Matt, Matt Roll's track record, it's always been two to three years before they get good. Year one is usually really bad. And Temple, they won one game. Baylor, they won one game or two games. So I mean, like the track record su- suggests that next year is going to be rough, but it's the air of the portal. And you can get good fast now with uh, the, the transfer portal and just the way you can build the roster now. So that changes the dynamic a little bit, but I think most people are just hoping to get to a bowl. I, I think that's kind of the consensus. Skip to 500, go to a bowl for the first time since 2016 and have a postseason to where you're going into winter conditioning with some actual optimism about progress, you know, tangible progress has been shown on the field. And, you know, some people think that, oh, going to a bowl, don't, don't set the bar too high. But, like, I think that's realist. Like, that's where Nebraska football, with the amount of resources that they put into this program, like, that should be the floor of expectation. I don't care what the year, who the coach is, whatever it may be. There's there's far too much money involved. Um, and like I said, resources devoted to this program being successful to not have a bowl game be the bare minimum of expectation. So that's what I think. I think get to six wins, go to a bowl, have some positivity going to the offseason, and then have be a, a gradual building process where uh, by year three or four, then maybe you're in the conversation to compete for whatever the Big Ten divisional situation is in, in 25, 26, or whatever maybe. Do you think there's any additional pressure on uh, Coach Rule uh, or Coach Fickle or Coach Walters as we have three new coaches in the portal era who are going to be looking to see who can have the quickest effect on their uh, teams right away. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I think just in by nature, that's kind of how college major college sports is. Like patience is dwindling probably more than ever. And there's reason yep. for that. Um, you don't need four years to get good now. So um, I think that's part of it. But Matt Rule signed an eight-year deal for a reason. Like, he wants stability. He wants this to, to be a long-term build to where it's not just, you know, recruit 35 transfers and be competitive and have to do it all over again. Like, I think they want to do a, a good mix of developing young talent while bringing in you know, some immediate impact pieces and then gradually get to the point where you actually have a program that's reloading itself as opposed to having to scramble every offseason to fill out your roster. So there is a pressure to have results early i mean you get like basically one year now and then you better start producing so um there's there's that element to it but um, the rest is they're they're handcuffed in that rule they spend a lot of money on him and they're paying a lot of money not just with his contract but to fill out whatever the panthers wouldn't fill out with this guy out there uh so i mean he's not going anywhere unless he chooses to so there's that reduces i think some of the pressure maybe compared to other coaches at, at similar situations that's a good point. Hey, Robin, before we let you go, tell us about your website right now, huskeronline.com. Uh, what what stuff do you have going on this week? Yeah, so we've uh, obviously spring practice in full effect. Um, we have our, our YouTube channel. Um, you search YouTube, huskeronline.com, where you do lots of videos with uh, you know, recruits and obviously our staff and um, you know, basketball portal season, football. Uh, we got baseball going on right now. So, um, it's it's should be the off season in a downtime downtime, but uh, 
the news is in full effect uh, at <laughs> Nebraska and I'm sure everywhere else. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we do get uh, people asking uh, about Nebraska and we said so we, we know we our schedules hadn't worked out before. So we're glad to get you on. Uh, we will let you go get back to it. Robin Washett of uh, HuskerOnline.com. Thanks. And we'll talk with you soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank All right. Appreciate it. Be sure to check out Robin again. HuskerOnline.com is the place to go for Nebraska sports. This is Big Sports Radio. We'll pay some bills. We're back after this. Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Are drug and alcohol problems hitting you too close to home? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. 877-927-3380. 877-927-3380. That's 877-927-3380. If you served in the Marine Corps, by now you know about the contaminated water problem at Camp Lejeune. If you were stationed or worked at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1987, you probably have a lot of questions. We have some answers. You could be entitled to compensation. Billions of dollars are being allocated to pay for damages to anyone stationed at Camp Lejeune during that time. Unfortunately, it appears that officials may have known the contaminated water problem existed and did little to protect their men. The Semper Fi Code was not honored. If you or someone in your family has developed a serious illness, including various forms of cancer, call this Camp Lejeune legal support line right now. You can't turn back the clock and change what happened, but you can certainly call right now and learn your rights as a Marine. Here's the number. Call 800-363-7934. 800-363-7934. That's 800-363-7934. Paid for by Legal Alert Line. My muscles ached. I was tired all the time. My son had a full-blown asthma attack. It came out of nowhere. The unsettling thing about some symptoms is... A fever. Headaches. You don't always know what's causing them. It was Lyme disease from a tick bite. A reaction triggered by cockroach allergens. I had West Nile virus from a mosquito. Threats to your health can come from unexpected places. Mosquitoes, ticks, and cockroaches can make you sick. Get the facts. Visit pestworld.org. You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. Well, as we continue here to talk, um, you know, we little transfer portal. Um, this thing has really evolved here uh, in its infancy, and it's interesting to see, one, it's nuts to see how many players get in. Um, and Brad, as you'd mentioned before, the bad thing is some of these players won't have a place to land, and they'll they'll end up in places that they really had never imagined they would end up in those places because they have no place else to go. Um, in the Big Ten, there's been plenty of movement. Um, maybe no one hurt as much as Michigan. Now the Wolverines still have time to replace these guys. Um, but they, they lose a lot from a team that that struggled to get to the uh, the NIT. Yeah, they did. I mean, Hunter Dickinson obviously is the 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 name loss that they had, um, and, and they lose him, who's you know a twenty and ten guy, nineteen and ten guy, and then you also lose Kobe Bufkin, who's your point guard and really good player, and then you lose Jed Howard, who was your outside shooter. Um, you know, not to, it's really tough and they'll get, you know, the Llewellyn kid back, but man, they're, they're, they, they're going to need to add a lot in the portal right now. Cause they lost a ton from this year's team. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting situation. Although, you know, it's been a while since Michigan's been able to achieve back to back, um, NIT 
first. So maybe that'll be the goal that they're hitting for because that may be the that may be the only thing that's attainable. And you know, you could make a case that if they lose enough players and depending on what they get back, that the uh, NIT might be a lofty goal. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's tough up there, and and you know, Juwan Howard does recruit where. Um, you know, that's now what, you know, four guys and four underclassmen in two years who committed, uh, what jumped, jumped up early to the NBA draft. The two guys mm-hmm. last year after one, uh, just one season, Diabate in Houston. And, and now these two guys, and then again, Dickinson, a guy you thought you might be able to, to build around and whoever gets him, uh, he's got two years, he's got his COVID year. So, yep. um, he's a guy that, that is not on any NBA draft board. So he very likely could be a, a five-year uh, college player. And, um, boy, he's out, he's just an outstanding player. Um, it'd be fun to see. Uh, where he's going to land on that. You know, one of the teams I probably feel worse about is uh, the Minnesota Golden Gophers. You know, they really struggled this year. It was so bad the five-star recruit they had decommitted at the end of the season. And then you lose your, arguably your best player in Jamison Battle uh, enters the portal. Yeah, it was tough. Battle had a, you know, real good year a year ago, struggled a little bit um, last year. He's honorable mention all Big Ten in 21-22. And then he struggled a little bit shooting, but Regardless, he was, um, you know, he's a he's a known player, and he was one of their guys who knew knew they could count on. And now he's gone, and you know, it sounds like he may transfer in conference uh, somewhere as it's possible. Um, and that they also lose, you know, they lose four guys, and they were all guys who you know scored and played, and you know, ten to fifteen minutes a game and or more, um, including battle. So, and plus they lose the five star recruit that they had. So this is tough. Tough offseason for Minnesota so far. They got to do a lot of work on the portal if they want to be competitive next year. And they have the double whammy of of having a state that's not very populous and Minneapolis St. Paul being a city that's big enough that they can that the blue bloods can drop in and recruit any really good player. So it's hard to keep your studs in Minnesota uh, and that's a tough thing and I'm looking here also at Michigan they've got uh uh, Tommy Amaker took him three of his final four years to the NIT before um, <laughs> from, before being lost. So they were they were last in the NIT in 0506 and then 0607. And it was hello, John Beeline. So um, that could be a rough uh, wrap up for Joan Howard. You heard it here first. Mike Kegley is going to be petitioning to change the name of the postseason affair to the MI. <laughs> um, we move on to some other players in the portal. Uh, Maryland with a big loss. Uh, Akeem Hart is a player that really liked his game uh, with the Terrapins, and, and now he's looking elsewhere. Yeah, Maryland, of course, losing Akeem Hart. That's a tough loss. He's a good player for them. Um, he put up good numbers. And, and, you know, he had started 85 games over three seasons, um, scoring 11, 11, over 11 points a game. You know, so um, he declared for the NBA draft, but he obviously entering the portal. Um, and then the other, another team that, you know, Indiana is, is really active in the portal, but they lost uh, a guy who I really thought was going to step into a more, a bigger role was Tamir, Tamar Bates. And I thought he was going to really step up and have that. And it just hasn't, you know, it, he's gone now. So he's into the portal. And then the other team um, that we had, uh, you know, we were talking off the air was uh, looking at uh, maybe, um, Purdue losing Brandon Newman. Although, mm. although Newman had started as a freshman, kind of they'd recruited over him, but he was a nice player. Uh, I, you know, when I saw him play live against Illinois, I thought he had a you know a really nice game that game. And I, you know, I don't know. It, it, that's I think there's a lot of losses here 
these teams are going to have to be active. And we know there's going to be more guys go into the portal and they're going to end up somewhere. But um, yeah, it's, it's uh, the portal is a crazy season. Yeah. And, and it's, it's also, you know, as you recruit people from the portal, that makes guys on your team say, well, I'm going into the portal. And it's kind of like the, it's the chicken and the egg here. And I was kind of surprised with, uh, with Iowa, you know, Aaron Euless is, is into the portal. You know, he started 27 games this year. And it's almost like, what do we have to do to keep people when starting 27 games isn't good enough? Right, right. Yeah, that's what's strange. Even, you know, Brad, you were saying that you were hearing on the day of the NCAA championship game, there were third-party people from UConn players reaching out about entering the portal. They're about to play for the championship. Yeah. And yet they're thinking about moving on. It's it's crazy. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's a lot of it is, I think, it's the NIL thing. So they're putting it out there to see. And some of these guys are even in, entering the portal. Now, I think that the old day used to be, if I'm in the portal, I'm not going back to that school. I don't think that's true totally anymore. I'm just looking for a bigger bag. Like, I mean, I, you know, it's going to be, oh, you want, you're offering me a hundred thousand. Well, I'm, I want 200,000. And it's like, okay, well, I, okay. 200,000. Okay. Then I won't go in the portal or I'll come back you know, or whatever. So I, a lot of it is negotiation and you got agents involved. And I, I remember a quote that Brad Underwood from Illinois told me one time, he said, he said, now in the, in the portal, it, it's everything. When you're recruiting in high school, it's relational when you're recruiting in the portal. It's all transactional because these guys are older and it's all about finding the right, you know, they, they, they know what they want and this is how it's going to be. Uh, Larry, I have a news broadcast. Um, Brad Sturdy just went into the portal. <laughs> <laughs> Great. We give, him, we give him everything. He has a starting role. He's he's in every show. I know. And and, and, and now he's telling us it's transactional. So I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> I mean, that's I have to be on every show with Mike. That's my that's why I'm going in the portal. <laughs> yeah, well, you're not negotiating your way out of that, buddy. <laughs> In a world like we're in right now, anything's possible, right? So, all right, well, Brad, we'll work and get you a bigger bag. How's that? They make you happy? Yeah, like a like a twenty one. What is that? Twenty one bags or whatever? Twenty thirty one? I don't. Yeah, know. you'll get a 31? burlap. We'll give you a burlap bag, and you'll be happy. Yeah. <laughs> sack, give me a potato sack. Uh, that's right. Well, There's my bag. That's right. We're calling it Portal Combat uh, out there, and it's nowhere close to being finished. Uh, this is going to go on for several more weeks, so strap in and uh, just try to brace yourselves. All right, we'll take uh, a time out here. Keep it here. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it, if your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you too. What sets Neon Rain apart? They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them 
at neonrain.com. Packages start at $29.99 a month with signed agreement. Restrictions apply. Speak to a representative for complete offer details. See vivent.com for license details. Terms and conditions apply. Homeowners, if you're looking for the best in home security and smart home technology at a price you can actually afford, we have great news. Now you can get Vivint's award-winning home security systems starting at about a dollar a day. U.S. News & World Report has recognized Vivint as the best professionally installed home security system of 2022. And right now, you can get Vivint's home security technology for about a dollar a day. Plus, get free professional installation from a licensed technician. Protect your home and loved ones for as low as a dollar a day. Call right now for your free home security consultation. 800-613-8053. 800-613-8053. That's 800-613-8053. Paramedic, firefighter, police officer. Different job titles, one common goal, to keep communities safe. They all risk their lives every day responding to emergencies. Just because they accept their jobs can be hazardous doesn't mean they have to be. Is your workplace safe for everyone? Learn more about the Put Yourself in Our Boots campaign at ourboots.ca. This message brought to you by the John Petropolis Memorial Fund. Well, fellas, uh, Final Four is done. We have a national champion, another college basketball season in the books. Uh, UConn, um, look, they are the blue blood. Not only five titles uh, to match uh, among the, the most in, in, uh, in, in college basketball history, but five in the last quarter century, and no one else has done that. So they are the new blue blood. You know what's amazing about them that makes this program even more um, on that pedestal is that they've had three different coaches win national titles yeah. there in these past 20-some years. That That's amazing, right? I mean, who who else does that? I mean, other than maybe Kentucky or somebody like that. I mean, it's hard to find in, in this short time span to have that many. And I think it's over – when did Calhoun win? It's in 20 years. They've had three guys win in 20 years. In 12. 12. Is it 12, 12 years? That's yeah, it. yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I was the one person who <laughs> I guess I always kind of, you know, blue blood this and blue blood that. And then there was no blue bloods in the final four. And I was kind of disappointed because there was nobody I really hated in there. And, and uh, you know, so then and then the game was I thought UConn really effectively dominated that game from beginning to end. And so it wasn't as exciting of a game as I had hoped. And so I didn't watch it nearly as closely as what I would have thought, let's say, a week before. Yeah, it was um, it was it's interesting too. Brad mentions the five titles Um, take nothing away from the Huskies. Okay, if you win the six games in front of you, you're champions. That's all it is. But UConn, no other team in history has won five titles um, with the easy path that they've had. Um, You know, three of those titles are against teams seeded fifth or higher um uh san diego state a five seed they took on uh butler a five seed back in 2011 and then of course kentucky was an eight seed in 2014 um and the first ever champion uh i gotta go make sure this is correct first ever champion did never face a one or a two seed in the tournament um 
it's amazing. It's take nothing away from them. They are the team and Bobby Hurley. Good for you as well. Um, so that's all done. Uh, one of the most unique tournaments we've ever seen. That's impressive. Meanwhile, on the women's side, um, of course, as we, uh, you know, have, have talked that, uh, you know, Iowa comes up short to LSU, but of course the, you know, the, 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 the big story coming out of this, unfortunately, is not so much the championship. It's more about the whole taunting back and forth. And uh, Iowa star Caitlin Clark, who is known as uh, a trash talker, she's known to do the same John Cena, you can't see me look thing that Angel Reese did to her uh, in the final moments, uh, moments of the title game, talked about uh, her confrontation that she had with uh, Reese of LSU. Let's take a listen. Honestly, I have no idea. I was just trying to get to the handshake line and shake hands and, you know, be grateful that my team was in that position. Um, you know, that's all you can do is, you know, hold your head high, be proud of what you did, and, you know, all the credit in the world to LSU. You know, they were tremendous. They they deserve it. Um, they had a tremendous season. Kim Mulkey coached them so, so well. Um, you know, she's one of the best basketball coaches of all time, um, and it shows. And uh, she only said really kind things to me in the handshake line, so I'm very grateful for that too. But um, honestly, I have no idea. And uh, I was just trying to, you know, spend the last few moments on the court with especially the five people that I've started 93 games with um, and relishing every second of that. I'm not sure she could handle that any better. <laughs> could she? I mean, she just, yeah, she's just like, you know, it's, I think she handled extremely well. I mean, just said, and, 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 and she can say she didn't see it, but she knows she did, but she's just going to make a smaller thing. And she defended Reese. Good for her. I mean, she, she gives it out. She, she took it. And maybe, I do think maybe they went too far with it, but it's and and I will say this: I think in a men's game, somebody would have got a technical because I've watched enough men's basketball. You do any of that stuff and you got a technical. I don't know why they don't do it in the women's game, but regardless, Caitlin Clark handled that uh, like a champ. Yeah, I think at some point one person has to to back down and you know kind of de-escalate the situation. She chose to do it. I'm not certain if she was a hundred percent forthright in in that but sometimes you have to sometimes somebody has to be the bigger woman and um you know de- de-escalate things i'll give her credit for that and and i do think you know in the nba i think that type of thing for an extended time might even lead to a to a, a fight you know in in those situations particularly at the end of a game and so i think you know calmer heads prevailed will they'll move on and it's unfortunate that, you know, that decision was made because LSU was about as dominant as a team as I've seen in a long time. And that's really what people should be talking about. And Mike, you hit it right on the head. I agree completely that, you know, here we are a week later. We're still talking about the the taunting and the, and the gestures and all that. When instead, LSU had a fantastic season. They played a phenomenal title game. It was extremely entertaining. My goodness, they looked they looked awesome, and they were the better team on that day. They are the champions. I'd rather talk about that than the other stuff. And you know, Dr. Joe Biden invited Iowa to the to the White House. No, you don't invite second place teams. Iowa rightfully declined. LSU Reese said she wasn't going to go. Now she is going to go. Um, you know, let's just move past that. I agree with you. Um, but again, what a what a moment for uh, for the women's game. And- Can we? Held to the we, we should probably make sure that we're meant also talking about, you know, Mulkey's outfits too, because oh. that's the second craziest thing that we yeah. see in every game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I wonder what she's going to wear to the White House. Oh, boy. Now, there you go. It's going to be fun. 
It's. I wonder. You know, she'll probably open. have some some designers going to make something for her. <laughs> probably is. So yeah, that that's going to be interesting, and and certainly there's a lot of coaches. Um, will we see a trend in coaches trying to out clown suit Mulkey? If you can't beat her team on the court, maybe you just got to make sure you outdress her. Yeah. And I think it might be easier to outdress her than beat that team. Yeah. If you can't beat her, distract her <laughs> with your own clothes. <laughs> All right. Quick timeout. We've got more. Stay with us. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-390-5160. 800-390-5160. 800-390-5160. That's 800-390-5160. Have you ever met a single person in your life that enjoys paying taxes? No, no one does. If you can't sleep at night because you have a huge problem with the IRS, I've got some free advice for you. This service is strictly limited to individuals that owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes. And if you qualify, we can guarantee that you won't be writing a big fat check to the IRS or our services cost you nothing. The first 100 people that call today will get a free tax consultation worth $500. Stop worrying about your IRS problem. We can help you, we promise. Call the tax doctor right now. I mean right now to learn more. 800-917-8546. 800-917-8546. That's 800-917-8546. There's nothing more fun than going boating with friends. We were all out having a good time when all of a sudden my best friend's hat flew off and without thinking he jumped in the water to retrieve it. When we turned the boat around, he seemed to be struggling to keep his head above the water. We all started yelling, pull the cord, pull the cord! I pulled the cord and my life was saved. I was wearing a belt-type inflatable life jacket, the wisest decision I ever made. Life jackets worn, nobody mourns. Learn more at pleasewearit.com. Now back to the studio and the guys from Big Sports Radio. Little Big Ten football right now. Three new head coaches in the Big Ten West, including Ryan Walters at Purdue. He was a defensive coordinator, was a finalist uh, for the the coordinator assistant coach of the year, um, and and came up uh, very close in the final three or four in that. Um, Thirty seven years old, just a tremendous young talent, getting his first shots uh, at a head coaching job, and does so at a Power Five school. The thing is, Purdue known. Uh, as a tough defensive team that runs the ball, but he's bringing in high-powered offense, including the quarterback transfer coming in uh, from Texas, uh, Hudson Card. Let's listen into a bit of uh, his comments during the spring practice earlier this week. Um, I think he's got a chance to be special. Um, I don't know if I've been around somebody that's got you know the elite talent in terms of uh, his, his arm talent that's coupled with his ability to extend plays with his legs because um, he doesn't just extend them like he can he can go hit a home run you know so. Um, really, really pleased that he's here. I'm happy that he's on our team. Um, but I think even more impressive is just his demeanor, his, his uh, understanding of what we're trying to do schematically, and uh, the way he's just put his head down and gone to work since he's been here. Any, any, any individual standouts? 
I mean, Hudson Card, like, I mean, that was, you know, he, he's been playing really well. And I thought today was his best practice. Um, you know, other wideouts um, are doing well. You know, TJ Sheffield is, is steady Eddie. Um, obviously, Mock can run the ball and, and um, you know, Tyrone moving there full time. You can tell he's getting comfortable and he's, he's special when he's got a ball in his hand. Because the defense picking us up. They're picking up quickly. You know, like I said, we're thin right now. Um, in the secondary, we got some guys that uh, have been getting a lot of reps that, that couldn't go today. Um, they'll be back, though. Um, I think Nick Carraway's got a chance to be really special. Um, you know, we got Corday back, and, and he's in action. It's good to see him out there. Uh, Joe Anderson's doing a great job. Austin Brothers doing a great job. Sanusi Kane uh, really made some plays today. Um, you know, I knew he was physical, and today it showed up. Uh, so, again, I, I think we've got the makings of, of the right ingredients to be successful in the fall. Um, we just got to keep improving and, and keep adding depth. New coaches, new system. How's it? It's been awesome, man. Um, you know, since, since day one, these guys have really embraced us. Um, and the leadership on this team is, has, has been uh, very um, open to change. And, and um, I think we're building you know, trust and chemistry. Uh, both, you know, with the staff and with the with the guys in the locker room. So, um, you know, it's just spring ball. Um, you know, practice. What is a six? Um, so, you know, we you know we got a long ways to go and a long long time to the fall. But but like where we're at. Imagine the plan is to get outdoors at some point. So. We'd love to. <laughs> uh, but you know, at the same time, I want to get good practices in. Uh, you know, installing new systems. Uh, you know, particularly on offense. You know, I think it's it's important to just be able to go out and execute and. Um, get get lined up correctly and uh, deliver good balls. And so, you know, real error on the side of, of getting a clean practice before we uh, brave the elements. You know, we'll, we'll do some of that in the fall. You know, the way we sort of inst attacked um, situational football, we start off just all first down. Uh, then we went to, you know, first and second down. And then we introduced third downs. Then we introduced the red area. So we kind of broke it up in four parts today as well in the live scenarios. Uh, worked on first down, the first segment of, of uh, scrimmage. Uh, then went first down, played second down, uh, just you know based off of what what happened on first down. And then I uh, got a good segment to move the ball in the open field, and then a good segment to move the ball in the red area. You know, it's hard in the in scrimmages. Um, you know, I, I was happy with I was happy at times on defense. I was happy with at times with the offense. So. I'm also learning as a as a head guy, you know what I mean, like not to not to take sides all the time, um, and that's that's coming. There was a, a couple of times, you know, the offense had explosive plays where I was I was happy because it was a competitive play and they made it. Um, and there were times, you know, defensively where we got turnovers that that were were plays where we had to go get them and, and they got them. And so, um, you know, I don't know if there's a, a winner or loser. We all win. At least at least I can. I, I can say we all win as a head coach. So. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. If Hudson Card turns out to be as good as everybody thinks um, he can be, that Purdue team is going to be much better in offense. I still think they've got, um, you know, they've, they've they've got a lot to learn. Um, you know, first year head coach, a lot of a lot of things that dealing with some injuries, got some, um, you know, so some defensive needs some depth, um, but you know they they'll compete. I think Ryan Walters has a has a bright future. We'll see if it's now or whether it's going to be a couple of years down the road. Yeah, I think uh, Ryan Walters was a brilliant defensive coordinator, um, but he still has to learn the ins and outs of head coaching. But boy, if 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 Hudson comes through the way you know he appears to be, 
it certainly gives you quite a safety net if you have a fantastic quarterback. Uh, no question about that. And keep in mind, this is somebody that when he was at Illinois, um, you know, he developed Kirby Joseph into a third round pick who was one of the top rookies uh, in the NFL in the end of the season for Detroit, saw a lot of playing time. And, and Devin uh, Witherspoon as well, who was an All-American, uh, came in, I think, zero stars out of high school, was just really was was not a, a, a talent that um, everyone was clamoring after. And yet he's built himself into an All-American and a potential top uh, 10 pick here later on this month. Walters was his coach. And so defensively, um, you know, there are some other players that he left behind at Illinois that could reach All-American status or will be drafted in 2024. So, um you know, it's you look at that in terms of, um, you know, he'll shore up that end of it as well. If they can get offense going, like you said, it, it could be pretty tough here in his first year. Yeah, I think the potential's there for them to have a decent year. I do think they're still behind in talent. Um, I don't think they had a great recruiting class. So I think they're a little bit behind in talent. But it, it, as long as you, when you don't have the depth, you have to stay healthy. So if they stay healthy, maybe you can pull some upsets, get where you want to be. But if they have any injuries, they don't have the depth to withstand that. The other interesting thing is, of course, as, as you go through there, you have Illinois improving. Uh, Minnesota's a tough team. Iowa's a tough team. And then you have two new programs that coaches are trying to establish their momentum as well. There's just no easy games in the Big Ten, and as a brand-new coach, it's got to be daunting sometimes to look at those schedules. And then you have Northwestern. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, I got to think, are they in an odd or an even year? They, they... <laughs> yeah. It seems like every other year for them, doesn't it? <laughs> well, see, this this year, Fitz, he's a great coach. So, yeah, yeah in a year that he's a great coach, it's a real problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, stay with us. We're going to take a quick time out here, a local break for uh, stations to identify themselves and uh, pay some of their bills, as we are talking about paying our bills. But in hour number two, uh, we talk baseball up next. And, uh, again, some of these quirky new rules – uh, and umpires, uh, the need to mellow out just a little bit. We'll talk about that. Plus, again, as we teased earlier, Mike Farrell uh, will also be along, the godfather of recruiting, to talk about uh, uh, what teams are doing to uh, restock their rosters. This is Big Sports Radio. You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. Right back here on the show. Hour number two is uh, now underway. We're officially on the clock. Larry Smith, Mike Cagley, Brad Sturdy. Uh, glad you're here with us. Let's talk a little baseball right now. And uh, you guys are talking about the umpires striking back. Uh, sorry, Star Wars fans. It's just been a, it's been a crazy opening to the season. Yeah, the umpires strike back. Yeah, it seems like it. I, and I don't know what it is about it, but they're like really short to this so far. So many ejections for like, Mild things, you know, discussions or or ejection. Tim Anderson gets ejected for talking to the pitcher because the umpire thought he was talking to him. We had JT Realmuto getting thrown out for not catching the ball. We, we've talked about some of these, but I mean, Manny Machado was the first guy to get called out for arguing about the pitch clock. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think that there's something weird going on with they decided to do this early. It's almost like the flop call in college basketball. We're going to call it early, and then we're going to forget about it in the tournament, and you just flop away. Um, <laughs> it's like fish on the table. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what. I don't know what's going on, but it seems odd. Yeah, you know, the interesting thing is, is uh, first off, the Empire Strikes Back, I believe, is a book by Ron Luciano that was one of the funniest sports books That's I've ever read. Fantastic. So definitely, if you want to read something and laugh, that would be it. 
And I just think that the the umpires have taken a lot of crap, and I think everybody's a little angry in America now. So cross them at your own risk, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. Now, also uh, the pitch clock, you know, the ex- experimentation uh, in in the, the exhibition season, spring training, uh, I think it shortened games by an average of 26 minutes, right? Which, Brad, you're pointing like out, that. okay, that's fewer beer sales, that's fewer concessions purchased. I mean, if you're going to speed it up. Um, uh, but you're saying, again, it's, it's it, we've having some issues here in the opening week with the with the pitch clock. Yeah, I think that's it's it's good to have the game move faster. There's less of the standing around. I get that, but I I hate the ones where I, it really bothers me when a guy gets call, a strike call because he's not ready for the pitcher when the pitcher isn't even on the rubber yet at eight seconds. Like he's not he's not in his motion. He's not even on the rubber. He just has to pitch it by the end of the pitch clock. Well, I don't care why why do we call a strike on the batter if he's not ready at eight seconds? It, the pitcher's going to pitch it. Regardless, it doesn't. So the guy's in there swinging his doing his little prep thing because he doesn't want to stand there for eight seconds in this position because he can't take a practice swing then because he'd be considered not ready for the pitch. So I think that's part of it needs to be tweaked. Shohei Otani, though, how about him? He got a pitch clock violation while pitching and hitting in the same game. He's the first <laughs> guy to do that. <laughs> Multi-tool player. Um, I think the interesting thing is with the pitch clock, and Brad, you can kind of confirm this, but doesn't that make the pitcher the person who's kind of calling the game as opposed to the catcher calling the game? Could that reveal that maybe some pitchers uh, need the help of catchers and and maybe vice versa? Yeah, I, I think so. They've got that. Everything's digital now. They do the little pitch clock things where they push the button. I if I'll tell you what, if you want to go watch fun, though, watch Zach Granke pitch now. He literally calls his own pitches, then he... He had one where he's calling his own pitches and then he's like giving himself five for <laughs> for getting the right pitch call. It's hilarious. I mean, I think Grinky might be the most fun pitcher. We need to have a, we need to like do a, uh, I don't know, a, maybe a sturdy for 30 on him. That would be fun. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, so yeah, what you're saying is it's, it's not a good rule for baseball. Uh, way too it, far. It, I think it, there's a there's a happy medium we could find maybe that would be a little bit less restrictive that could still speed up the game somewhere in between. Hopefully they'll find that. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, we've got a couple minutes here before we need to take a break. Um, one thing that uh, we were talking about um, uh, was in a uh, good story on CBSSports.com about college football recruiting expenses by conference. And um it was just staggering to look at the numbers, um, not just now what's being spent, but the comparison to to a year ago. So, I mean, let's take Georgia, you know, back-to-back national champions. Um, they've unseated Alabama as the, you know, the <laughs> pun intended, uh, the big dog on campus, right? Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. Yeah, thanks. You too. Thank you. Um, $4 million uh, is what they spent in 2022 on, on recruiting. Okay, it's, it's Georgia. That's up, I'm sorry, 4.5 million last year, or the average in the last five years before that was 2.75 million. So you're averaging, I mean, look at the jump there. I mean, that is that's more than um a 50% increase in 2022 compared to the five years prior. I, I think that's insane. And I'm not trying to uh, whatever, spend what you want to spend, but the amount of money that they spend on recruiting is rather rather nuts. I mean, what are you doing with that money? 
And we're not talking NIL or paying guys or any of that stuff that we've heard happens or happens. We're talking about expenses. I mean, how many private planes do you need? I don't get <laughs> well, it. Yeah, you, know, you know, for these these some of these conferences with a billion dollars going to be coming in each year, you know, it's kind of play money for some of these coaches maybe. And I do think that spending controls probably need to be out there to some point because if you do get a revenue windfall, it's 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 real money and they should be trying to, you know, make the athletic departments work a little bit as opposed to just this spend like they're doing. Yeah, the numbers are are just staggering. Everyone is up. Michigan, uh, the average before, 1.4 million. Uh, 2022, 2.2 million, up 800,000 uh, from their average. Rutgers almost doubled, 879, up to 1.6 million. Um, and the discrepancies within the conference. So in the Big Ten, Michigan, 2.2 million spent. Uh, Iowa, $577,000 spent. Uh, we talked about Georgia and, and the 4.5 million there at the very top of the SEC and the top of all college football for that matter. Um, the last place team in terms of dollars spent, the very thrifty, Bulldogs for Mississippi State six hundred thirty three thousand. So I mean, literally it's only like, four million less. Larry. Yeah, like one seventh the budget, the recruiting budget of Georgia. That's just insane. <laughs> oh, it's not. I mean, it's the haves and the have-nots, right? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. amazing what these people are spending. You know, old, old Nick Saban keeps having the top five classes, and he spends less than like three or four teams in the in the. Uh, SEC even so yeah yeah the biggest loser in recruiting Texas A&M almost three million dollars and you went nowhere you were well J- Jimbo might be going somewhere uh, <laughs> it's just it's just not anywhere they, that he wants gonna, to go they better save that three million dollars for the buyout yeah, exactly, no. <laughs> exactly. Well, maybe he went somewhere we just don't know where he, he well, used the recruiting budget to, to go <laughs> and and thrifty is probably not going to be a good title to have when it comes to recruiting spending if you don't have the W's. No, exactly, exactly. So, all right, want to get that out there. Uh, Stay with us. More to come after this. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. 800-448-0828. 800-448-0828. 800-448-0828. That's 800-448-0828. Welcome back. Mike Farrell is the godfather of recruiting. We talked to him earlier to get the scoop on the latest around the Big Ten, starting with third-year coach Brett Bielema at Illinois and his preference for keeping things close to the vest. You know, I've covered recruiting forever. He's frustrating to cover. There's no doubt about it. Um, the secrecy and all this other stuff is it's frustrating because I'm so used to, like, these big programs, even in Alabama where Nick Saban's old school, you know, I can get someone on the phone and get some information about what's happening. You can't do that at Illinois. And and so fans would be like, well, why not? Shouldn't we be, you know, promoting uh, and using the media? Uh, he's never going to do that. And and that's okay. Uh, I don't mind his approach because you know what? They won last year. Um, and I initially thought he was a stopgap coach. I thought he was hired after the lovey mistake. That was a bad hire. Um, everybody kind of knew it at the time. 
I thought he's going to be like a two, three year guy until they could get a younger coach in there. He's not. Uh, this is a serious job for him, and he's going to be here a long time. And if he keeps winning eight games. Uh, everybody's going to be happy. Yeah, that doesn't happen at Illinois very often. I want to get one more question before we move on. Um, do you think that approach hurts the program from a PR standpoint in terms of um, you mentioned, you know, Regis Ben is a great example. The splash that that happened when, oh, my, I mean, you've got this kid from out, you know, from out in D.C. coming in and Ron Zook. Wow. And and there was some buzz created. Does that does that hurt him in terms of, you know, generating interest for the program and getting getting fans in the seats? It, it does hurt. Yeah. I mean, you got to play the media. Um, you know, now if you're successful, I mean, we all see how a Bill Belichick handled the media. We see how Saban handles the media. Um, and, and like I said, I mean, at Alabama, there's still a little bit more freedom when it comes to that stuff, but Alabama also has won, you know, six national championships or whatever under Saban. And, you know, they're recruiting five stars and four stars that everybody's involved with. Um, Illinois is still trying to discover kids. They're still trying to keep kids secret. Um, it's, it's an okay approach, but it is going to hurt you. Um, you can't keep kids secret and then expect them to be ranked high. You know, you have to lay the ground work with some, you know, recruiting people and some sources and things like that and say, Hey, we got this kid. We like him a lot. Um, you know, in this day and age though, it's kind of, it's a little frustrating, you know, because I was in the industry for a very long time, you know, working for a company where I see kids at the end of a cycle that nobody knew about and they just get slapped three stars automatically. So I guess his approach is, is even better now than it used to be. Um, because when you hide kids, you're still going to get a pretty good star ranking. Um, but you can't get that buzz. You know, if he tried to hide which he couldn't, if he tried to hide, you know, uh, Bonte Davis or Aurelius Ben or some of those guys from DC, then, you know, let's say nobody else knew about Aurelius Ben, which is ridiculous, but let's say they didn't. Then you got a low three-star kid and you're not getting a five-star kid to your campus. And they use that, Ron Zuck used that as momentum in recruiting moving forward and everybody else does. So it does hurt them from a national standpoint. People think Illinois is boring. They think recruiting is boring. They think Bielema's offensive style is boring, even though he's opened it up a little bit. And and that's going to make people pay less attention to them. When you kind of look at, you know, Illinois, obviously in the Big Ten West for one more year, what is the, you, you've got some new coaches out there. How are those new coaches uh, kind of getting through this? You know, at Purdue and Nebraska and um, Wisconsin, what what's going on in those places? Yeah, it's interesting because obviously, you know, one comes from Illinois in Ryan Walters. So they're going head to head with some recruits that he recruited while he was at Illinois. Uh, and that's going to happen for the next couple of years because you build the foundation of recruiting from ninth grade up. So the kids that are in 10th and 11th now were being recruited by Walters when he was at Illinois. They have a connection to him, so they're going to cross-recruit. Wisconsin, Illinois themselves have gone into Wisconsin and been very aggressive offer-wise because that's where Bielema was, you know, and had his most success. Um, and he's very confident in that area. And And now with Luke Fickle there, they're going head-to-head for a lot of recruits. And I think Fickle is a good enough recruiter where he's going to win more of those battles uh, than, than, you know, Bielema will in state, Uh, you know, a four-star offensive tackle just decided to go to the Badgers. That's not unexpected, Um, but they really came after him hard and we're hoping to get him on campus and and maybe steal him away. It wasn't going to work. As for rule, they're not going to really uh, go head to head. He's got ties, you know, down in Texas from his Baylor days, but also, you know, he's a Pennsylvania guy. New Jersey guy technically, but he, he recruited 
in the state of Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New England, East Coast. So they're not going to go that head-to-head. Um, I think Wisconsin's doing a good job. I think Purdue, okay. Uh, he's got a little buzz, but it's fading a little bit. Uh, and I think Nebraska is a sleeping giant with Matt Rule. Um, if they can get that Dylan Royola kid who's the number one player in the country from Arizona quarterback, which right now they're trailing, I believe, USC and Georgia, but just by a little bit, that's going to change everything perspective-wise. And Nebraska could be the real problem here. Over the course of time, how do you how do you expect uh, those teams to match up? And is that going to – what is, effect is that going to have on uh, Kirk Ferentz or P.J. Flack <clears throat> with what they're trying to do at Iowa and Minnesota? So the West is really good, and people don't give it the credit it deserves because Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State are in the East, and they get all the attention. And Michigan State was you know, up and down uh, with D'Antonio and, and obviously with Mel Tucker that one good year. The West is very steady. Um, you know, short of Northwestern, which was a disaster last year. Um, you know, Minnesota's consistent and steady, flex going nowhere. They they have uh, recruiting success, and they they like their de- their guys. You know, huge offensive linemen, running game, quarterbacks that don't make mistakes, and a defense that's not fast, uh, but bends and won't break. Iowa likes their guys. You know, the defense that runs to the football a lot more than you expect. But again, a very, you know, vanilla offense, um, kind of boring, um, but big linemen, physical, just like Minnesota. Um, you know, I, I think the way Illinois stacks up here, I think they're going to be okay against Purdue moving forward. And again, the West is going to be disbanded and we're going to have all these different scheduling issues and all that stuff. They're going to be better than Nebraska for the next couple of years, in my opinion, because it's going to take them a little while to get good there. Wisconsin, I don't think they're going to be better than them. I think Fickle's a really good coach. I think Wisconsin has more, um, you know, recruiting power. Um, and, and then it's going to be down to, you know, can they, you know, compete to finish second and third if Wisconsin does return to be, you know, the consistent winner of the West against Iowa and Minnesota? That's going to be the question. So this is where it all comes down to development and recruitment. Um, how good a coach is he? You know, can he out coach with lesser players because from a recruiting standpoint, I would put Illinois last in that group that I just mentioned. I think Minnesota recruits better. Uh, I know Iowa does a little bit. I know Wisconsin does. And I think Minnesota uh, and Purdue are going to recruit at least to the level of Illinois a little higher. So Bielema has got to be a better coach if he's not going to be able to recruit to that level. I think he can be, but again, the ceiling for Illinois is probably nine, 10 wins a season at best. They should have won that last year. Uh, eight is great. And in finishing second or third in the West, you know, at least for now is, is what you want. Let's talk about, uh, the, the two behemoths, um, in the East. It's been, um, you know, such an odd off season for Ohio state. I mean, you know, when you get a two loss team, that's uh, the fan base is mad because they lost the two, the two final games, including to hated Michigan. Um, seems ludicrous that people think about maybe getting rid of Ryan day, but you know, that's just, that's just Ohio state. What are the Buckeyes doing right now? So uh, this is where college football is unfair. Um, Ohio state's recruiting at a top five level in the country. They're getting five stars. They just got a five-star wide receiver the other day. You know, they're they're taking a kid at air Nolan's uh, quarterback from Georgia. who's supposed to go to Miami. They get him on a campus for a visit. He's going to commit to them next week. Um, They, they kind of tap kids on the shoulder and, and, you know, invite them 
rather than recruit them in many ways. Michigan is starting to do the same thing with the success one in the Big Ten the last couple of years, going to play off the last couple of years, beating Ohio State the last couple of years. Last year, recruiting wasn't great for Harbaugh because he flirted with the NFL again, and he had that interview with the Vikings, kind of turned some people off. He did the flirtation again this year, but it's not setting recruiting back. They just got Jaden Davis, the five-star from North Carolina. So when I look at this and I see these programs recruiting at that level, and then I see Illinois recruiting at their level, it's just unfair. I mean, how do you beat an Ohio State? How do you beat a Michigan um, based on the talent? You know, especially Ohio State. Um, so they're doing very well. They're going to continue to be playoff contenders. I think they're the only two teams in the Big Ten that can possibly push for the playoff in its current format. You got to hope with the extended, uh, expanded playoff that a third and fourth team from the Big Ten could possibly get in there. But it's it looks like it's going to be Ohio State, Michigan for the foreseeable future. So I I guess the next team though is is Penn State. They were they're just good enough not to be Ohio State or Michigan. <laughs> you know, I mean they recruit recruit pretty well, but they're definitely third team on that on that list in that in the East Division. Does the changing of divisions maybe give them a little more hope where they don't have to play them every year, perhaps? I mean, certainly it will help. I mean, having a schedule where you're, you know, consistently, I think the last time they beat Ohio State was 2016. I may be wrong on that, but it's certainly the last time I remember them beating them. And, you know, Michigan hasn't been great until the last couple of years, but you got to pencil in a loss to Michigan if they're going to recruit and play this way. That's two losses right there in the schedule. You know, you're firmly entrenched as the number three team in the East. If you do mix this up and obviously – you're bringing USC and UCLA and both talented teams, you know, 10 win teams. Um, so that's, that's not good, but getting rid of the divisions is good. I just don't know if they're going to be able to break through, you know, Drew Alar has a lot of buzz as the quarterback at Penn state. Nick Singleton was a great freshman running back last year. It's going to take something special for them to put it all together and beat not only Ohio state, but beat Michigan, beat Michigan state. Um, it's just, I, they can do it. They're the third team that can do it. If I'm looking at an expanded playoff, it's definitely Penn State is the third team that has the best chance to get in there. But I don't know. I, I just don't think James Franklin's a great recruiter. I just don't think that they play consistently enough to really challenge. Um, I'm I'm more worried if I'm a Big Ten fan about Wisconsin because they can really. He opens up that offense. He's going to run an air raid with Phil Longo coming over from UNC. But they're still going to run the football. So now you can recruit better wide receivers. Now you can recruit, you know, better skill players, better quarterbacks. <clears throat> they got maybe Matire from Texas to go there. Four-star kid. Looks like Trevor Lawrence. Doesn't play like him quite yet. But it's going to change everything at Wisconsin. If they could put it all together, they're the dangerous team more than Penn State. So how do fans for – Michigan State, Maryland, Rutgers, and Indiana. Where do they find their hope, Mike? Mm, well, Rutgers, there's no hope. I'm sorry. I, you know, <laughs> no offense. Listen, they were really good. The last year, Shiano, you know, before he went to the Buccaneers, they had recruiting. They were they were recruiting at the best level they were in the state of New Jersey. They wanted to build a wall around New Jersey. That's not going to happen. Most of the top kids leave from Jersey, but they were doing very well. And they left. All that momentum was gone. You know, flood didn't do a good job. Ash didn't do a good job. Now he's back. The walls, there's just no way they're going to be able to keep those kids there. Uh, Maryland is, I like Mike Loxley. I think he's a good coach. They're, they're pesky. 
they're kind of annoying, but they're not going to be able to keep all those kids in Maryland, D.C. Everybody's coming in there and poaching, stealing kids out of there. Michigan State's the interesting one because I think Mel, Mel Tucker, no offense to Mel Tucker, he's not a $100 million coach. Um, he got lucky his first year with the transfer. Kenneth Walker really was, you know, the guy who helped carry that offense. Um, I think they're going to regress quite a bit. So Indiana, sorry, you know, I like him as a coach too. Allen's a good guy. They have no way of competing either. So maybe once every four years, Indiana had that little run a couple of years ago. Michigan State had their little run a couple of years ago. You know, Rutgers, Maryland, maybe, you know, a seven and five season, but hope, you know, it depends on your expectations. First of all, you know, in writing for Illinois, there's not one Illinois fan who should expect to go to the playoff. I'm sorry, just not in the cards. It's just not going to happen. Um, Iowa hasn't made the playoff. You know, Wisconsin hasn't made the playoff. Um, Michigan State made it once, and that was kind of luck. So you have to temper your expectations and understand that a coach that goes eight and four every year gets you to a bowl game and keeps you competitive against the best teams. That's good. And and if you base those expectations for, you know, these other programs like Michigan State and the rest, they're okay. But it's when you start thinking, we got to beat Ohio State, we got to beat Michigan. No, it's not going to happen. So that's why Illinois fans have to understand this is really good, you know, but you're not Alabama. You're not. It's just college football is so unfair and there's not enough parity. We see the Sweet 16. We see the, you know, the, 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 the NCAA tournament. We see, you know, teams like San Diego State. Going, this isn't basketball. 85 kids instead of 12. It's just not. <laughs> it's just not in the cards for a lot of teams to, to have that massive surprise season. TCU showed you can, and you always have that hope, but expecting it is a different story. You just can't expect it if you're those programs. His name is Mike Farrell. He is the godfather of uh, college football recruiting. Always great to talk with you, Mike. Um, we know that uh, recruiting is always fluid, so we'll catch up with you uh, in a few weeks to get an update. Absolutely. All right. Thanks so much, Mike Farrell. Good to Thank talk you. to you. Uh, stay with us. Much more to come after this. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-390-5160. 800-390-5160. That's 800-390-5160. You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. Just still with us here as we continue our circle around the league and looking in this week. Uh, we haven't talked about Maryland football here for a while. Mike Loxley uh, got the Terrapins to a, a bowl game and trying to build on that momentum in College Park. And he talked about it in terms of, uh, you know, just uh, uh, how they've improved the program and what they've been able to do here uh, that has not been done in quite a while in College Park. Let's listen in to Coach Loxley. I'm a strong believer there is no building on last year. Uh, each team, it's its own entity, and when you lose players, like some of the players we will be losing from last year's team, as I told our team yesterday, it's it's a restart. Um, now, what I do feel is that the culture is what will allow us for this restart to hopefully maintain some of the characteristics of the things that it takes to build a winning program, to build a championship program, and to me, 
the locker room is where it starts. And so if there's anything that really jumps out to me, it's the locker room. And that's why I talked about the players we've left have left a huge, huge imprint on the way we need to do things, the Turk way, the right way. I think the players in that locker room now see the dividends of when you do it the right way. And so to me, that gives us a great start uh, as we move into the version of the 23 Maryland football family. Um, having people like, you know, Talia and Ja'Shawn Jones and Ruben Hippolyte, guys that kind of help lay the foundation along the way. Um, how, I guess, how important are they for you this spring? And I guess, do you ask them to do anything differently to, to kind of help bring everyone else up to speed? Yeah, those veteran players that have been around here through our duration, I mean, as you said, this is year five. So we've had uh, four years to get our first class, which if you look at it, I think it kind of got blown up. And now when you look at the way the landscape of college football is, seeing classes come through and, and where you lose maybe two or three is not the norm. But have those type of pieces, when you'd mention a guy like Talia, who's Seems like he's been around here a long, long time, has had great success uh, to have him back. If you've got a quarterback, you got a chance. And we, we feel we got a quarterback. Uh, to be able to keep Jay Sean Jones here, uh, at least until the next portal window opens, because you never know with the way the portal goes, but to have Jay Sean come back for an extra year, I think one, it speaks volumes to our program. When you get name brand coaches to come to Maryland. Name brand coaches. Name brand, right. well. Some of these guys are well-known. Do you have to make a sales pitch to them, or how do you recruit them, and how is that different than recruiting a player to come here? Well, I think anybody that knows me, Wayne, knows that um, I'm not trying to sell people to come to Maryland. I'm not trying to sell people to stay at Maryland. I've been a huge proponent of the transfer portal, coaches leaving, uh, the days of Maryland having to beg and and sell for people to come. We're going to show you what we have, why it's important for you to understand the value or what value coming to Maryland will create for you. And to me, that, that's what we've done. Um, I think if anything, it's a testament to Maryland when guys like Kevin Sumlin, like Josh Gaddis, uh, like Latrell Scott want to come and be here. And so the days of us selling and you know, some sales pitch for recruiting or, or bringing coaches here or to keep coaches or players, I'm just not going to do it. I mean, in this day and age, it's we've got a great product here at Maryland. Um, we've got great academics. We've got great facilities. We've got great people. Um, sure, we'll lose some good people, and we did. We lost some great coaches who laid a strong foundation that helped us get the program to where it is today, and I have nothing but respect for all those guys. We've lost some great players that have done the same thing, but you know what? We're welcoming some great players as well, as well as some great coaches. Yeah, it's been a struggle there for the last 15 years or so. And Loxley's done a good job making them relevant again. You know, they're obviously uh, in a difficult side of the Big Ten when you've got to play Michigan State, Ohio State, or Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State every year. Man, that's tough. But he's done a good job. And now he, they lost a lot. They still have uh, Tailua, Tagovailoa, Tagovailoa. I can't even say that name, but. The guy who the quarterback, that the guy. good quarterback, the guy from the Dolphins' brother, baby Tua. So no, he's a but no, uh, obviously they they've got some they've got some t skilled pieces, some skill pieces, but they got a lot of place a lot on defense. Got a lot of guys that they're going to have to replace. But I, I think he's done a good job, and you know he deserves credit for that. Yeah, and you've got Kevin Sumlin, you know, there is the uh, the associate head coach and co-offensive coordinator. 
doesn't seem like that long ago that he was the young upping up and coming, you know, new genius. And, and now he's trying to re, you know, re, re get, recapture the label. And he's certainly got his work cut out for him, but if they can upset Ohio state, Michigan and Penn state, the world is their oyster. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> you saw John Gruden now who was always giving quotes and never forget Gruden. One time it was the SPN. It was a Titans chiefs wild card playoff game. And he was very proud that his analysis really didn't say much, but his analysis, he closes with if the Titans can run the ball. This will be the day that they remember the Titans. <laughs> so <laughs> 6 million for that, man, we could have given you Mike Hagley for half that. Yeah, I'd uh, do it for three. You, you would do it, right? You do it for three. Three dollars. You buy away quarterbacks. Three dollars. Three dollars might be all I could get, but yeah. <laughs> Take what you can get, baby. Take what you can get. That's right. That's it's right. payday, baby. Three dollars. Ain't no proud to beg. Ain't no beg and no proud to beg. Yeah, that's what I said. That's what I had to say. All right. Hey, we're going to uh, step aside. Uh, the Indiana Hoosiers, what they're doing this spring in football. That's coming up next. Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Are drug and alcohol problems hitting you too close to home? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. 877-927-3388. 877-927-3380. That's 877-927-3380. Have you ever met a single person in your life that enjoys paying taxes? No, no one does. If you can't sleep at night because you have a huge problem with the IRS, I've got some free advice for you. This service is strictly limited to individuals that owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes. And if you qualify, we can guarantee that you won't be writing a big fat check to the IRS or our services cost you nothing. The first 100 people that call today will get a free tax consultation worth $500. Stop worrying about your IRS problem. We can help you, we promise. Call the tax doctor right now. I mean right now to learn more. 800-917-8546. 800-917-8546. That's 800-917-8546. There's nothing more fun than going boating with friends. We were all out having a good time when all of a sudden, my best friend's hat flew off and without thinking, he jumped in the water to retrieve it. When we turned the boat around, he seemed to be struggling to keep his head above the water. We all started yelling, pull the cord, pull the cord! I pulled the cord and my life was saved. I was wearing a belt-type inflatable life jacket, the wisest decision I ever made. Life jackets worn, nobody mourns. Learn more at pleasewearit.com. Back here, Larry, Brad, and Mike. We were talking about the Indiana Hoosiers just before the break. As so, you know, each week we kind of take a time to peek in on um, some of the different uh, teams and what they're doing. We heard uh, in the first hour, of course, from uh, new Purdue coach uh, Ryan Walters, and also heard from Robin Washitz and uh, Nebraska and what Matt Rule is doing out there early on. Like he said, really not much yet. And uh, as he mentioned, they're not expecting uh, a lot of wins here in year one. As he was pointing out, it's just not. Uh, what rule has done uh, when you look back at what he uh, accomplished at Temple and Baylor um, usually takes a year to kind of get things in place. And then 
he'll go from there. Uh, Indiana, meanwhile, uh, one of those schools that, um, as we just heard from uh, you know Mike Farrell earlier this hour, um, that right now is just really boy. You you, you got to feel like Tom Allen. Uh, he's a guy that really is uh, his seat is pretty hot in Bloomington right now. Uh, listen in. This is a recent presser talking about the team, and it sounds like that he'd rather not be there and uh, would instead like to be out there on the field with his players. Let's listen in. We got uh, some talented running backs, and Jalen has proved that he can do a lot of special things with the ball in his hand, especially in space. And so want to maximize that so that'll look a little different in some ways and and uh, just try and find creative ways to get him the football. And camper back into, like, practice and getting throws to him. Yeah, I think there's always going to be a progression with that. You know, I think just uh, getting you know, the, the comfortability with receivers, timing with receivers, uh, that's something that doesn't just happen, you know, quickly. Uh, that's going to be all through spring and your summer, all the, all the sessions they'll have you know, even together when they throw with each other in the summertime and then uh, in the end of fall camp. So uh, without question, you know, and Cam's doing a phenomenal job. We were talking about him yesterday. He just is not surprised, but uh, his mindset and his rehab has been impressive and it just has to continue, and I know it will. And uh, but yeah, those guys obviously haven't had a chance to connect and throw together, so that'll happen, you know, really more in the summertime. Have you seen Donovan McCauley kind of take advantage of? Yeah, having that I thought he season? made some more plays today. He's been in it every day. He's made plays, you know, and so and that's what I expect. We've had some really good heart to hearts about it, and and uh, he knows where he, where he wants to be and where I believe he can be, and and uh, it's just having continued growth at that position and learning it and uh, being able to just you know find a way to get open and make plays and then uh, you know go score the football. Conversation with the wide receivers. What sticks out about those redshirt freshmen now, Omar Cooper, Cameron Perry, some of those guys that have had a year under the belt? Yeah, I tell you, I, yeah, I think both those guys that uh, you saw them today make plays, especially Omar. Um, he's been consistent with that, you know, and Cam is, is so dynamic and explosive. Uh, see him as the guy to be able to be in, in that slot position there in, in multiple ways to once again get him the ball as well. But uh, yeah, those guys have made progress uh, like they needed to, but it's just a continual growth has to be there. And, it's, and I'm looking for consistency every day. The maturity when you go from being a true freshman <clears throat> out of a redshirt freshman, uh, but it's still a March first spring ball, you know. And so coming to us in the summer last year, and uh, that does make a difference. And so uh, just learning how to practice in this setting, you know, you have 15 days, you're not playing, preparing for a game. There, 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 there's a grind component to it that you have to work through, and uh, we're going to have four straight weeks of Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday now. And uh, there can be some, you know, you, you want to stress our guys because you want to be able to expose the things and the, from the mental perspective mostly, and then the physical part as well. But, but, uh, and I want those young guys to learn how to do that because it's uh, we play obviously a physical long season, and you got to be able to produce from day one all the way to the finish. We've asked you about Coach Bostead, but who have you seen on that line that's really responded to the way he pushes them, the way he coaches, the stuff he's asking? Yeah, you know, you, you interestingly, look at some guys. I think Carter Smith's one that jumps out to me. You know, he's obviously a, a guy that uh, was a true freshman, played a little bit, uh, still got a chance to redshirt him. And so um, he's just, uh, he's taking the next step, I feel like. I think even some of the older guys that are being coached by a new coach, you know, I think Michael Cage's one that's really can embrace that part, you know, and he has uh, been here a long time, but, and has played a lot of football, but you still want to be able to adapt. And, and uh, I think uh, Khalil Benson sticks out to me, you know, and I really, uh, and Vinny Fake has been another one that, you know, dinged up today, he'll be fine. But uh, um, those, those guys have stuck out. Zach Carpenter continues to grow and develop. But what for me is just getting these young guys brought along. You know, and trying to get Josh Sales and, and Khalil to, to, to continue to grow and develop and allow us to be able to have the depth that we need to have. And I've really been encouraged by that group. He's doing a great job with them. But, uh, you know, even today, when you start 
you know, defense starts doing twists and games up front on third downs. You know, that's not easy to pick up, especially when you, you know, present it certain ways. And so uh, we're trying to do our install on both sides of the ball. But at the same time, I think that's created some of the challenges today, I think, for the O-line on those third downs. Yeah, it's uh, he's definitely uh, doesn't like the press conference, does he? So, um, yeah, there there's no question he's on the hot seat. I, I'm shocked that there were a couple of things that, you know, you come out of this, you know, Donovan Kelly's actually a highly touted quarterback. He's just a freshman. If you're in a, you know, if you're in a winner, winner, you're fired season. I, I feel like using a f- true freshman is going to be tough uh, to be successful. But and the other thing is I, I didn't realize they hadn't had a spring game for, you know, for forever since 2019. Yeah. And I'm sure COVID was obviously in 2020, there was no, covid but i mean yeah that i guess nobody goes so they don't need to have one you they they canceled the spring game and nobody noticed <laughs> it's like indiana we had a, we, we had a spring game <laughs> if, if indiana cancels their spring football game does anyone notice it's like the tree falling in the woods right you know yeah you, you do kind of feel i mean at this point you know tom's got a lot of enthusiasm but tell me what coach are you going to bring in that's going to make a difference, particularly this is kind of that, that weird time that you've got Ohio state clicking at a super high level, Michigan now going at a super high level. And, and you have Penn state at a level that normally would be unbelievable, but because Ohio state and Michigan are so good, nobody notices. And you're at Indiana. I I don't know if Nick Saban could raise up Indiana right now. (laughs) Well, Lee Corso couldn't uh, decades yeah. ago. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's not going to happen for him. Um, you know, you're, and it's, boy, it's one of those things, too. They were kind of, they were right there, right? I mean, it, it, they, it felt kind like, of. yeah, well, they, they had to, you know, they were eight and five in 2019. They were six and two. Remember six and one of the Big Ten? I mean, they were ranked in the top 10 at one point during the, the year, the COVID year. Um, you know, but lost both of those didn't they, games. Didn't they get hosed out of going to the Big Ten championship game or well, something? Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, listen, we know in the COVID year, a lot of weird things happen, right? With records. Yes. Yeah. Who's in first place and who's not. And yeah, that was uh, one. And maybe that's what took the win out of the sales. You know, they they began the next season, preseason 17, and that was the high point. That's not, no place to go but down from there. And uh, over the last two years, <laughs> this is a six and 18 combined the last two seasons. They got vaccinated from winning. During COVID. <laughs> and it really took. <laughs> it was oh, that thing was effective. It was 80% effective. <laughs> Usually you get the shot and you're down for a day. They were down for a season. Just, yeah, well, down for about four or five, Larry. Yeah, they went from six and two down to, to two and ten. Um, but, guys, you're right. I, I, I thought the same thing. I was really surprised. Uh, I didn't realize they had gone that long without a spring game but they're going to try it again uh this year it's it's you know next week on the 15th um they're going to do this and so um trying to i guess you know get some enthusiasm behind this program yeah i'm actually kind of excited to see if anyone shows up <laughs> oh i like to say the, the team <laughs> oh no well, I, I think they'll be there I think. well you know the, the opposite is nebraska who as we learn you know they've got people all over the place just for practices. And then you've got another school that, that, well, should we have a spring game? And for all we know, the AD had a coin flip and Tom lost and they have to have it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, Indiana, truly a basketball school, especially this year with uh, the Hoosiers, uh, both men and women 
uh, getting to the tournament, both losing to Miami, which for the men now doesn't look quite as bad considering what they did. Um, but yeah, it's a basketball school. Make no mistake about it. Could so- they could they give away maybe like have Trace Jackson Davis there and sign autographs at halftime to get people to come to it? That's a good call. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Hey, while we're talking about it, certainly we want to send our thoughts out to uh, to Coach Bob Knight uh, in the hospital last weekend, the basketball Hall of Fame coach, and um, you know glad that he's home and recuperating, and we wish uh, him the uh, the very best in a speedy recovery. All right, yes, we will take a timeout and uh, finish up strong. Coming up here in uh, just a few moments, including boy, one of the great enigmas in sports today. Um. Anyone listening to this, stay tuned. You got to help me figure out more about this guy and uh, and what the real problem is. That's next. This is Big Sports Radio. If you served in the Marine Corps, by now you know about the contaminated water problem at Camp Lejeune. If you were stationed or worked at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1987, you probably have a lot of questions. We have some answers. You could be entitled to compensation. Billions of dollars are being allocated to pay for damages to anyone stationed at Camp Lejeune during that time. Unfortunately, it appears that officials may have known the contaminated water problem existed and did little to protect their men. The Semper Fi Code was not honored. If you or someone in your family has developed a serious illness, including various forms of cancer, call this Camp Lejeune legal support line right now. You can't turn back the clock and change what happened, but you can certainly call right now and learn your rights as a Marine. Here's the number. Call 800-363-7934. 800-363-7934. That's 800-363-7934. Paid for by Legal Alert Line. Leave me alone. When a child shares hurtful comments online, that's bullying. Visit erasebullying.ca to learn how to help your child stand up to cyberbullying. You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. Larry, Mike, and Brad here. And uh, fellas, a little uh, NBA news. Kyrie Irving, um, you know, uber-talented guy. I mean, it's unbelievable the things he can do on the court. But boy, he is a team killer. And he is, in about three months, he's completely destroyed the Dallas Mavericks' chances of getting anywhere in the postseason. Yeah, what was it they said? He was they were a fifty-eight chance percent chance of making the playoffs when they got him, and now they're at six. Right. <laughs> um. So uh, they're at six. Then I don't know. It's and you know, there's no question that he is talented, and, and he's obviously a great player. But and everybody, everybody thinks that if they take him, somehow they're going to win because they're it's going to be different. But ever since he left LeBron. He's just brought like destruction. He's like a tornado coming through and just leaving a wide swath of destruction. A Godzilla. Yeah, something like that. Well, you know, and and all these coaches and general managers, they fall into the hubris trap where they go, yeah, but I'm a better coach than the last guy. I'll get something out of him. And at this point, you know, as he goes into free agency this year, 
I might pay him a dollar, but I really wouldn't want him on my team. And you know, he's getting a max contract though. Yeah. Somebody's so, giving him a max contract. Yeah. In yeah. a 30 team league, you only need one guy. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> There's a sucker born every minute. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's funny. In uh, the last era, there was Liz Taylor. And in this era, there's Kyrie Irving. You know, there's always a guy that goes, no, no, no. I, I know the last six guys didn't work out. But but listen, our love is real, and we're going to make this work. So. <laughs> My analogies are just, when they get late in the show like this, it just gets nuts. Um, hey, okay, let's get, back, let's get back to college. And when we're talking dollars, the sad thing is Kyrie Irving, his next contract will make more in a season than what the Pac-12 teams will make in their media. Okay, I did right there. The Pac-12, yep. a report by our friend Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports, saying that they likely, their next media deal, which they still have not signed, right? I mean, they've been at this for about 10 months now and still have not come to a, a deal with anything on their next media deal, which expires next summer. They're not, he's now saying that they, most of their, of their, their games will not even be on linear TV. It's going to be a streaming heavy contract for a major Power 5 conference. That was a great segue, Larry. Thank you. And it's really shocking to me that that these teams are going to stay in the Pac-12. Yeah. You yeah. know, do you see that? How can they stay? I mean, I'm not trying to be, how do you compete when you're giving up $70 million a year in money? Yeah. Per I mean, team. It, yeah. Per per school. Yeah. yeah. That that's not that's not realistic. They can't compete at the same level. They're what they're bringing in is almost Georgia's going to be spending that in football recruiting, right? You know, at the rate we're going before, and they're going to be getting their entire TV package. So, yeah, it's it's crazy, and and I don't think it's sustainable. And that's why I see you're going to see these teams join either Big 12 or the Big 10 or try and get to another conference. Yeah, originally people thought it would be a six year, you know, journey to get there, but this might accelerate it. And I'm not certain if you can really broadcast a game via smoke signal. But we may find out. We may find out if that's possible because that's the only people who are interested. It's gonna be like it's gonna be like watching it on your old 19-inch black and white television in your kitchen. <laughs> or, or remember those old things with the little ticker tapes, you know, where you sit at home and they little the ticker tape and you read it, you know, like oh, or, and, they, and the guys will make that. They'll have to make the sound effects like they have to do with baseball. <laughs> crack! I hit the two wooden things. Crack! There's a base hit to right field. You know, so yeah, it's, <laughs> it's going it's to be a rough, rough for the pack 12 or the pack. Well, they zero. can't afford to pay anybody to, to work the games because they, they they don't have enough money. Right. They don't have volunteer broadcast crews. <laughs> right. Right. Well, one, one network to keep in mind, this may sound crazy, but the ION network, um, which actually just formed a, uh, which is owned by Scripps uh, based in Cincinnati. And they formed a sports division within the company earlier this year. Uh, and it's a it's a network that's actually in 37 of the top 50 markets. Um, and so there's some talk that they are uh, involved in the Pac-12. They're talking with the WNBA, talking with the NBA teams as uh, Bally begins to go belly up uh, in all the different markets. And so that may be where they wind up or on the CW, which is owned by Nexstar. Um, there's there's some crazy things there, but you're. You know, to your point, they're on the outside looking in. Um, their deal, as well as the ACC deal, eventually is going to become um, just, you know, something that's just not tenable. And um, guys, you're right. I, I just, the way this is, it's just, you you're, you can just see where Pac-12 teams and eventually ACC teams are going to want to try to find a way to get into one of the big super conferences. I mean, it's not happening immediately, but in a few years, it just seems almost inevitable. 
Yeah, they, they don't have a choice. They they can't keep up at giving up $70 million a year per school. Yeah. Yeah. And, just, and how many years becomes a, a hole that they can't dig out of? I mean, this is something where they may be like begging at the door yeah. of some of these conferences. Go five years down the line. That's $350 million you haven't gotten that they got. Yeah. yeah. And so everybody else, that's not just, that's facilities, that's, coaching deals that's perks that's i mean that's everything these other programs that you can't do i mean it, it, you're it's gonna be like a major league and minor league kind of thing so you're exactly right hey we're almost out of time but we know that Kedley wants to get in his, his wrestling thing so mike what, what do you got what's wrestling this week well look roman reigns retained his title uh with the ever-present uh, referee being knocked out and then interference from another wrestler those things happen apparently videotape doesn't work for the wwe to to judge these things. No and instant of course, replay. <laughs> no, no. Even though we all saw it, there is no instant replay. Um, and then, and they showed us the instant replay a hundred times. Uh, then the other thing was, is they were sold by the same, to the same company that owns the UFC. And now you have two different models. One's real sports, one's entertainment. One goes on pay-per-view and the other goes on streaming. So what will the, how will they do business? Will they continue to do it separately? Will they blend these two? Um, seems like it, there's a lot of possibilities for these two companies. I was just thinking all the possibilities, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> I think Mike needs to do a podcast or a book. Mike Cagley, Men in Tights. Hey, <laughs> that would be. Here's what I think is going to happen, Brad. I think these guys they're going to try to get behind one of the promoters in boxing, and then you'll have the UFC, boxing, and wrestling all like one fight channel, so to speak, that they've tried to do in the past. I think they may try to do something like that. Well, Only in America. First. Yeah, entertainment and then the real competition. Kind of kind of like you're you're leading, your shoulder programming. So exactly well if you're if you're a UFC fighter and you get tired of getting hit, wouldn't you rather go wrestle where you can make more money and it's yeah. not real? Yeah, yeah. And fewer bruises. Exactly. Yes. Broken bones. Exactly. All right. Hey, we got to run. We appreciate you guys uh, hanging out with us for a couple of hours. As always, we will do it again right back here. Same time, same station next week. Enjoy the weekend. We'll see you then. This has been a presentation of LMBC Sports LLC and Revision Sound. We'll be back next week on Big Sports Radio Network.